0: This program is brought to you by the Gin Society, www.ginsociety.com. Hello, and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Dave Faulkner, Australian singer, songwriter, and rock musician, best known as the lead singer of the band, The Hoodoo Gurus. He's been inducted in the Australian Record Industry Association Hall of Fame and is a rugby league and AFL nut. And Nathan Brown, an Australian rugby league footballer and coach. He's played 172 matches for the mighty St George Dragons and has coached St George, Huddersfield, St Helens, and the Newcastle Knights. He's now taking on a role with the New Zealand Warriors for the 2021 season and he's an all round good guy. Let's get started. On the show today, Dave Faulkner, Australian singer, songwriter, and rock musician, best known as the lead singer of the Hoodagurus. Gurus. I mean, he's a rugby league and AFL nut, supporting the Cronulla Sharks and the Fremantle Dockers. Welcome, Dave. No, not the Dockers. Not the Dockers. I think it's the Dockers. No, the Sydney's Swans. Oh, good boy! I was say, <laughs> My family all love the Dockers. I'm still going to scrap you go for, for that. But um, and Nathan Brown, <laughs> an Australian rugby league footballer and now coach, all around good guy. Welcome, Brownie. How are you, Esley? Very good, mate. Well, boys, really, really good to be here. But so, Brandy, talk me through. So, 2021, you're off to New Zealand now?
1: Yeah, well, we think we're off to New Zealand, uh, <laughs> Shane. No, we're not sure yet. If uh, if the borders allow us, the family will move over there to take up their coaching role at the Warriors. But if the borders uh, don't allow us, we could end up in Redcliffe, Central Coast, wherever we end up as a team. But in the longer term, once everything's clear, we'll certainly end up in Auckland, which we're really looking forward to. But I think you'll go well there. And Dave, what's happening with you at the moment, mate? It's pretty tough. Not, <laughs> not allowed
0: to tour not allowed they're, to play. They're
2: not allowing us anywhere at the moment. I know. Uh, yeah, we're, locked, we're locked up. Um, we're just doing music, um, you know, recording stuff. And uh, we're starting rehearsal again in a couple of weeks to get some more material together for an album next year. Fantastic. Hopefully we'll be out playing to p- promote that when, when that comes around. And new single coming out, you said, hopefully next week? Uh, no, no. we just done a video on Saturday. Okay. Uh, the single's coming out in a month, so beginning of October. Um, and uh, yeah, we just had one come out about a month ago now. Uh, which has been pretty funny, and uh, this is kind of part of that same campaign, just you know, releasing songs to kind of keep ourselves amused and hopefully the
0: public. Fantastic. And you two actually know each other.
1: Yeah, right. well, yeah, yeah, I was just saying, well, I met Dave numbers of time a long time ago, and I wasn't sure whether it was at Northies or the Covelli. <laughs> and <laughs> I Don't couldn't probably both. And, and Dave said it was both probably, I said 100%. <laughs> <laughs> but, and Dave, you, you've been a
0: massive league supporter, famously changed the lyrics to your song What's My Scene to What's My Team. Um, yeah, that's my team, yeah. That's yeah. my team, yeah. People um, still call it, that's my scene now. They get, me, they get, they get
2: it all mixed <laughs> up, you know, it's, they're all one and the same. And so you, you grew up watching rugby league in particular? I didn't grow up because I come from Perth originally. Right. But uh, I moved here when I was in my early 20s and um, uh, it was actually a bass player, the Hoodoo Gurus, um, that was the one that turned me on to rugby league. We were, we were recording the third album, which is the one that had What's My Scene on it. So at the time when there was a kangaroo tour of the UK and we were watching the the games yep. while we were recording just between you know takes and stuff while someone else is doing uh, you know vocals or something is watching the telly
0: and, and Brownie, so um, doing a bit of research you played in three rugby league grand finals mate
1: yes i've played in three uh three losing grand finals unfortunately with the dragons yep. in 93 96 and 99, and then the next year I coached the under 20s. We got beat 15 in the grand final by the Roosters. Then I went to Huddersfield, we went to Wembley for the Challenge Cup final. We got beat, and my wife said, Do you think you'll ever win? <laughs> <laughs> and fortunately, <laughs> I was did. Going, oh, oh, it was, it's a funny story though. At St Helens, we were leading the comp from the start till the finish, and about uh, six weeks out from the comp finishing, uh, our, our fullback uh, was a uh, Young Johnny Lamax, he was, yeah. he's, he's now playing for England. He did his crew shit. Then uh-huh. two weeks later, Luke Walsh snapped his leg. He was our halfback. And then a week after that, Johnny Wilcombe was a class player played 30-odd tests for England. He was our, our ball fluffing back row. He scored a try and dislocated his shoulder. It was like, my missus goes, why? <laughs> but Fortunately, yeah. though, we ended, up, we ended up getting a win. So, yeah, it was not easy. Do you, do, you look at back, do you look back now any of
0: those games as a coach and, and sort of analyse them and think, what well, could I have done better? Oh, uh, or
1: from the first time I started coaching first grade, I coached 20s and we had a, really, a lot of a great crop of young kids at St George that I had a lot to do with that end up going through and playing lots of first grade at drags and other clubs. So. But when I started coaching first grade, my first two years of first grade, I realised and I thought, if I could have had a year off and sat with Brian Smith, David Waite and actually been an assistant coach for a while, and then they got me to play again, yeah. I reckon it would have been far, far better for the coach.
0: David, it's like that with with music. You have an idea, you come up with a song, you sit in the studio, you put it together, and then you hear it years later. Do you think I have done something? Oh, always. Different? Yeah, that's, really. Yeah, that's a different
2: story. Yeah, you right. always think like, what the hell was that? You know, and how that how we let that get through. Um, really, for me as a songwriter, certain lyrics, I think you know, maybe I wasn't you know on on fire that day, whatever. You know, just kind of something that was a bit less than I'd
0: respect now. No, but get through, but I, I, mate. I, I grew up. I'm, that's why I love doing this podcast. I get to, uh, to hang with, with guys like yourself who, mate, you, you almost like the soundtrack to my youth, mate, and some of your lyrics still ring true today, you know? Oh, yeah, I'm happy with some
2: of them. Don't yeah. worry. You know, it's just a few that you kind of go, what was I doing, you know? Yeah. You have, you, you know, So sometimes, like when you're writing a song, you, a lyric can get stuck on the song, a bit yep. like chewing gum. <laughs> really? You know, on your shoe, you just can't get rid of it, and, it's, and it kind of wrecks the song, and you, and, you, and you wish later on that you had made sure you changed change your shoes or something and got, you know, something else there. That, that that occasionally has happened, whereas yeah, a song has just gone in the wrong direction and you can't get can't shift it back. But, but the
0: song, what's my song? When you start with yeah, you know, um, and another and another thing, starting mid sentence, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: but people what what always me about that, really. Yeah, yeah they do because yeah. that's you know it's kind of one of the more striking uh, you know first lines in songs. Yeah. they say um, yeah, it was just that's just how it sounded to me. Those, yeah, I'm a person that that usually writes the the, the, the music first. Um, you know, not like it's all finished and tied up in a bow, and then I start writing lyrics, but the The musical idea comes first, and yeah, then, um, and those notes that are in that melody on that verse, that's what that sounded like to me. Just all oh, right is like you know, it's kind of like a musical lyric thing, you know, like the the syllables of the lyrics sort of sound like that. They trip off right. the tongue that way. And another thing, la 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 la. You gotcha. know, anyway, I can say that a million times that people have to look at me with <laughs> <No, no. laughs>
0: puzzled looks. Is going you sure you heard that right? Mm. It's um yeah it's, it's one thing. I think the third verse of that song um. Nothing I've been wondering lately, um, am I crazy to believe in ideals? But right. So, t- t- Talk me through that, cause that, that that's a really interesting lyric and that's one that sort of rings true today. I often think about myself <laughs> personally, but what, what were you thinking when you were ca- writing that? Well, the
2: whole song, I mean, as I say, it, it started off merely, you know, as as, as we're saying about words that sounded like those notes, yep. and I'm, I'm sort of halfway through the first verse before I even really know what I'm talking about yet. Right. You know, it's going, on another thing I've been wondering lately, oh, baby, where have you been? You know, that's kind of a, like me playing with rhymes in a way, you know, okay. like lately yep. baby kind yep. of a rhyme. Anyway, but um, after you sort of sit back and go, what the hell am I talking about here? Because, you, you know, it seems mm. to make sense, but what is it talking about? I kind of figured out, of course, you know, it's about who the hell am I and what do yeah. I, what am I, where do I fit in? And so I continued that theme in the lyrics and, uh, yeah, sort of started using the metaphors about, uh, you know, what's my scene? Well, that's like a, an actor, you know, yes. so you, are, you, are you real in your own life, you know, are you, or you are you just playing a role and... All those different things come into it, and of course, you know, ideals, you know, and compromises, that's
0: something we all juggle, you know, we're oh, all trying juggle. to figure out. Yeah. Where we fit. And Brownie, so I think it was 2000, 2001, you were playing a troll game, and you, you broke
1: your neck. Yeah, well, I, I didn't actually break it, I was a quadriplegic for about five minutes, roughly about five, four yeah. or five minutes, and... Um, What I've got is I've got a congenital problem called, I think it's pronounced spinal canal stenosis. So I've got a lot of downward pressure on my head, which puts pressure on your spinal cord. And because my spinal canal's narrower than a normal person's, it doesn't have enough fluid, so it couldn't handle the impact. So it puts your body into shock. So I sort of woke up and my arm was out in one direction. And when I looked at it, I first of all thought I've dislocated my shoulder. Right. And then couldn't do that. And then I couldn't move anything. And uh Great mate, uh Ray Conley strapped me for every game. Ray's still working at the Dragons eh? he's a legend, Ray, and and he, he came out and I, just, I said, I can't I can't move, Ray. Like like Jeez. like help me and, and and Ray put the old wet sponge in me and said, You'll be right, mate, and I'm thinking, geez, I'm looking for more than that at the minute. <laughs> yeah, right. And then slowly like I moved a finger and another finger and a toe, and then uh I got flown to one of the hospitals in town here, then walked out of the hospital about four in the morning and then I uh, saw a specialist, Dr. Kwok, his name was one of the leading neurosurgeons, and saw him. And then uh, about two weeks later, I had a message on my me phone saying so I need to go and see him. And right. I was pretty confident he was going to say, It's all good. You're not going to be any good here. I no, was pretty right. confident. Yeah? So I went okay. and saw him, and he explained to me that um, with the condition I have and what state I got in, that I should never have walked again. He said, Your body should have just stayed in shock and not recovered. He said, "Just fate just allowed you to happen." So he said, "That's your lottery ticket." he told me. So, what, said, what, what, oh. so you stopped playing at that moment. From that moment, I never right, played again. Right. Like, and I don't. I've never surfed since then, or right. even things like Oztag, or things where I can put me. But I can, like, I went for a run this morning. I went to the gym yesterday. Yeah. I can do any activity. Play with the kids. I go to the beach all the time. I just can't put my head in yeah. a position where it could get that downward impact. That's all.
0: Well, what does that do to your mental health when that happens? Like, what do you- you played 172 games. Corey Pearson, our, our mutual friend, always says he played 177, but I said Brownie had to bust his neck to, to stop him passing you. But but what, what does that do to, you, to your mental health when you realise that the, th- the game that you played as a kid and now you can't play it anymore?
1: Yeah, at first, like I, I got as uh, as our mate Corey would say, I got the flats there for a little bit, but yeah. um, after a sort of. Yeah, you know, a couple of weeks I sort of slowly went back to work, and uh, the club were good to me. They've got me to at least the, yeah, you know, Shaun Timmins and Trent Brown that, or Jake Reckon I was on Peter Dassap in the chocolate wheel. He'd spin a wheel, oh, and yeah. if there was a promotion or a recruitment or whatever there was, they just send me wherever. And so I started to actually uh, do things involved in rugby league, and I always wanted to coach. So I spoke to the club, and then I was taken over to coach the coach next year. So you just realise that that part of life's done. Yep, and the next part's about to start. So I was probably a bit down for a week or two, but you know, we've you now we've had a good upbringing from mum and dad, and they've always told us that you know, no good feeling sorry for yourself. You know, like things yeah, don't good work advice. out. And yeah, you you move on to the next phase of life. And I remember I went on the Footy Show, and uh, Fatty Forton said to me, he "Goes, mate, life just starts when you retire." <laughs> I think he goes mate you got a long way to go so fat he said and I thought yeah, that's a real interesting thing like I've got another hopefully 50 years of good health I'm, yep. a, I'm 27 or whatever yep. it was 26 27 yeah so he just looked forward to life and get forward and that was the next challenge was coaching and fortunately I had a club that, that looked after me and gave me a job coach in the 20s and and a wife that was supportive and you know parents mm. that were supportive so yeah it was good we'll just take a
0: break now right we'll order some food now at the Paddington here uh on Oxford Street, three eighty four. The chicken here is off the charts, but we'll share some starters, please. We might get some uh, chicken spring roll, and maybe the little bit of glazed ham, mustard pickles. That'd be beautiful. And then for the main, I think we're going to share the uh, the roast chicken. Can't go past that with some sides. Uh, probably get the heirloom tomato salad and the carrot and fennel salad. Beautiful. It's no secret I love a gin, and one of our sponsors here, Lunch With Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin, delivered to your door every two months, plus the latest issue of their beautiful Gin Journal magazine and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique, and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached, cancel any time. Check out the website www.ginsociety.com. All listeners of Lunch with Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com and just use the code Lunch With Lee20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. David, I'm assuming there are a lot of musicians now that are going through not being able to get in the paddock. Yeah, Like Brandon like totally. was talking about then, and, and, a lot of, and that comes with... You've you've got you got two strings to your bow. You're you're a creator, or a writer, but also a performer. Mm. So two questions is um, one one is, when people can't perform, what does that do to their mental health? Not good. Not um, good is it? And there's yeah. been some
2: sad um, you know losses recently. People have self harmed yeah, because of this. Not good is it? Um, you know I'm not sure to be any greater amongst performers than other areas of life. But you know this is a very challenging time we're going through, and yeah, um, we're not used to, to not being able to be Contacting each other and and congregating and all these things—it's yes. just so human—and this is a very difficult th- thing to yeah. deal with. And but obviously, performers is a special difficulty because you know we were the first out, and yeah. we we're probably going to be the last ones back. You're right. When we're seeing rugby league games, I and mean, they're playing in empty stadiums, we can't do that. No, you can't. But uh, you know,
0: um, it's 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 a challenge for us to kind of deal with this. And do you yeah. do you enjoy the um, the the writing component or the performing component? Or or it depends. They're different. I mean, it's uh, – luckily I don't have to choose. Um, you know, Brownie had to choose
2: at that yeah, point. okay. But, um, you know, for me, performing is, uh, you know, it's kind of how I express myself in my life, and it's kind of like almost like having a limb missing, not being mm. able to do that. You know, I, I don't realise it till I'm out there doing it again and you sort of suddenly feel like, okay, this
0: is who I'm meant to be. Um, so that's the only way I can explain it. Was, was, there, a, was there a moment – like, could you guys – to it all around, um, and but I, I, I love some of your your, your pre-hoodoo stuff. The the, the real because you're a, a real punk. Oh yeah, we had a little
2: punk band in Perth yeah. that I was in when I was a uh, teenager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, victims. the victims, yeah, yeah that's right. I mean, it's good. kind of yeah, we made a, a couple of independent singles that sort of got a bit of sort of notoriety over yeah. time, and people are still talking about those songs. So that's incredible, <laughs> coming out of nowhere in Perth and just thinking that you know no one's ever going to hear of us ever again, and we didn't care either. But it's uh, nice to have someone notice after all this time.
0: Can you, can you remember one moment um, in your career when you stood on stage and looked out and went, Oh, I've made it? No. No, really? No, it's funny.
2: Wow. You're so busy um, doing your thing that you don't kind of sit back. Like Brownie was saying, actually, it's a very similar idea, which, you know, if you could sort of have the distance of having a year off or whatever, you know, going out in the front and watching a few shows and yeah. not actually have to be in this thing and doing it, you'd get so much more. Yeah. Um, an idea of what's really happening um, you know obviously a couple of times in your life you sort of pinch yourself and you know did we do that um, more after the event you kind of figure you know you think back on something and go how did that happen That's um, cool. so those sort of things but um, as far as when you're going through it you're so busy trying to make what you're doing happen that you don't have time to kind of enjoy it so to speak you know in terms of looking at it
1: what about you Branny did you oh, some of the stuff David said I can relate to big time I was a young kid coming from McLean and I come down when I was I think my old man put me on the bus when I was eighteen, give me two hundred bucks and said, Go and do your best son, you yeah? know? And uh and then and then twelve months later you're playing against Alfie Langer right. and Kevy Walters and Steve Renoff and that in a grand final. And It's like sometimes you actually you don't actually realise how lucky you are or, or how good it is at times. Sometimes I believe like Dave said, sometimes you actually sit back and you think Oh, well, in the grand final, we lost to Melbourne. was a terrible loss. We played in, in front of 110,000 people. Yeah. That's a, like They're big occasions and big moments, but sometimes you probably don't appreciate them as much as you probably should. Mm. Yeah, it's funny
0: because I've always said you're one of the nicest um, sportsmen that I know, mate. You're a really nice bloke. The thing I, I loved, you got a $10,000 fine – when you claimed that the, the refs were biased against the St. George Dragons. And they are. Why well, you get. I'm a Dragons man.
1: That was in 2006, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was, mate. Yeah. Bit, <laughs> a bit, of, bit of media pressure there to, come to try and get the refs to swing our way coming to the playoffs. That's it, week. mate. Did it work? <laughs> Well, penalty counts actually dropped. Yeah, we, had, we actually had less go against us and got more. So That's whether cool. that was because it was semifinals or not, I don't know.
0: Um, I like to ask, we have a lot of uh, school parents that listen to the, to the podcast. And um, the question I like to ask every guest on the show, and I'll ask you first, Dave, what, what advice would you give to a young musician right now? Right now? Right now, uh,
2: yeah. Same advice I always give people that, that talk about, You know, wanting to do something like music or whether it's dance or anything in the arts, um, don't do it if you want to make money and become famous. Right? Do it because you just can't stop yourself, and that you know you'd be something somehow diminished if you if you didn't have that in your life. Yeah. Because it's going to be hard, and you probably won't get all those fantasy things like success and and money. But
0: if you love what you're doing, that's the reward that you're going for. It helps. What about you, Brandy? What advice would you give to a young a young footballer coming through right now?
1: Oh, look, Well, first you've got to make sacrifices. You can't, obviously, can't expect to live the same life as what your mates are doing. They might yep. be out there having a great time where you need to, obviously, live a different sort of lifestyle um, if you want to be a professional athlete. And, and the other thing is, is a lot of the younger generation day, whether it be in rugby league or any sport or just in life in general, um, a hard time doesn't mean you've got mental illness or things, the whole world's going against you. Yep. A hard time happens in life and how can you overcome it? Don't yep. give up on it and get yourself down in the dumps. You know, a hurdle can be something you can overcome easily if you put your right. mind to it. Yeah. That's all because I find a lot of younger generation today, they they do hit a bit of a hurdle and that's life. It is. We all have them in life. Yep. It's how you deal with the hurdle that takes you to your next challenge and your next, your next sort of, I suppose, help you achieve what you want to achieve.
0: And Dave, what was it like? um and on the whole.
2: By the way, I think that's incredible what you yeah, said. That's amazing. That's that's very much what we all have to think about. I mean, at any age. Yeah, we, well, we
1: all. The, the, I find now in life because one of the one of the greatest things with life today is is people actually understand that mental health is a it's a real thing, isn't it? And yeah. it's something that wasn't spoken about. It is. But the other thing I find is too there's people that use it as a tool when they have a problem. Like if a girlfriend. Breaks young bloke's heart. He hasn't got mental health, or if you lose a job, this is life. Yep. Yeah. How do you overcome it? Yeah, that's
2: it's just. Yeah, it's very different. We well, don't right. let it get to become an attack on you personally. It's, an, it's more just, a, as you said, a challenge.
1: It's a life skill, and yeah. it you just got to get better at. You know, and yep. you just, with the right, I suppose, the right guidance and right mentor, or right parents. You know, it's like you got to get back on the horse and you go again. You know, like with me with my neck injury, for example. That's a, yeah. Well, my man, just, yeah, my old man just sort of said, you know, you've it's fun to go on, you know, you get back on the horse and you go again, you know, somewhere yeah. else in life, you know. And we all face them, don't we? Like, the most successful people in life, I'm sure, have sat down and they've had some really bad challenges, haven't yeah. they? How'd they overcome them? That's the key, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny, mate, because, like, um, we, we have the highest male-use suicide rate in the world in Australia. Mm. And we're sitting here today. It's 29 degrees outside. We're at the Paddington. It's a fantastic pub. <laughs> we're with some good mates. We're having a, a nice cold beer. Life's pretty good, right? I know people go through some hard times, but it's a bit of an epidemic out there now at the moment.
1: Well, Sean Timmons, mm. a, you know from the footy, an outstanding player, Timo. He did, I was talking to him the other week, he did a, a road challenge down at Gerringong or somewhere down the south coast a few weeks ago. There was like a 24-hour thing where he did an hour and I think Ashton Sims, who played for the Dragons, did yep. an hour and all different people did an hour. And it was around, there was five kids between the age of 18 and 23 that have all interconnected, have all committed suicide in the past Psh, few geez. months. Yeah, all from the same sort of area, same interconnection. It's like that's not good, is it? Yeah.
0: Well, we'll light it up a bit, but so Dave, talk, talk me through um, what was the scene like in the eighties, <laughs> the music scene.
1: <laughs> uh, well, it's great,
0: you know. I,
2: I've, I've been talking about this a, a, a couple of times recently. As something I didn't see anyone else talking about, which is you know we all remember how there was a, you know it was a twenty twenty four hours a day you sort of almost you know music scene. You go any night of the week on a Monday and see a full house at a yeah. you know pub in D U I or you know Geelong or somewhere. And people don't realise part of the reason for that is because there was no social uh, media. True. And, and there, was no, uh, there were no apps to, to uh, get dates. Yeah, so people if they want to if they're feeling a bit uh, toey on a w- early week night, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they had to find the the right place to meet the right people, and so if the, whatever band you then they liked, they want to meet someone that was into the same things as so them. you guys. So like we con- the we, were, we were like their chat room in <laughs> a way, right. yeah. <laughs> and if they didn't meet anyone, at least they had a good night, you know. But uh, that was one of the reasons that I think that the pubs were doing so well, and of course, um, you know, work. Work-life ratio was probably a bit uh, easier then. I think people are working harder and paying off bigger bills. We never yeah. had to pay for our mobile phones and our internet connections. Those things yeah. are all bills that suddenly are coming out of your, your pay packet every week that you wouldn't have had to worry about in the past. So, you know, life has become a lot more stressful and a lot less easily. Uh, people can, f- can find less time and, yeah. and uh, you know, money to do what those things that we used to do in the 80s. So I feel bad for people now that maybe... Miss those days because
0: it was fun. It's, it's, it, everything's instant, isn't it? So everything's fast food, well, fast food. So people, I, people want instant
1: gratification. I reckon I got the best... You know, we talk about you know, my time at St George and that. When Super League started, we reckon that you know, we got the, the best period of rugby league because it become like pretty professional. The money went from sort of... I mean, the only blokes when I was first started playing first grade that earned really good money was Laurie Daly and Rick, yeah. all the stars. Yep. So when Super League started... The average Joe Blows like me, we all went from earning pretty much bugger all to getting a good wage where you could afford to save and buy a house, so we all got a good wage. You now, it was far, far better than we got, and the stars got paid like a star in sport possibly should get paid, yeah. but we also got to have a good time, because there was no social media in that then, so... No cameras we got, in everyone's yeah, pocket. We got the, the <laughs> era where there was money, had become pretty professional, you got to have a laugh... Where now the money and the freshness has all gone to a whole new level, hasn't so,
0: it? So you're forty-seven, Tony you, Browning. Yes, so yeah. same age as me, and, and we had exactly that. So pre-ninety-five was the semi-professional period, yeah. where I, th- I think I put the semi professional. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not but, talking about you know bad behaviour. We're talking no, about just
2: you no, know, layer, yeah. being a slight layer, and yeah. you, you know Are you know a little bit had a couple too many and someone doesn't take a photo of you. That's a right.
1: A bloke has a few too many and the. The barman or the security bloke would say, mate, yeah. put you in a cabin off you go home as opposed to, we'll take a picture of you and send it to yeah. the yeah, media. Press. Yeah. And then because everyone goes through a stage, that one or two too many, don't they? But yeah. if you're not being horrible to someone or violent, yep. you don't really deserve to be ridiculed, do you? But no. as it's gone now, if a bloke does do that, it's a different ball game, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, every, everyone's a journo now. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. um, and the outrage, of course, is way through the roof, you know? Yeah, yeah everything. Yeah, but it's gone too, but by tomorrow there's someone else on the hook. 100 percent yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what we have to remember.
1: That's one of the bonuses. You know, if you're getting a hard time, you know someone will do something silly in the next few days and you'll be out of the, you'll be out of there. If
0: you're enjoying this episode, check out a recent show with Dave Gleason and Craig Johnson for all things music and sport. Hey David, who are your musical influences growing up? Uh, well my
2: brother was one because well, he, he okay. was eight years older, not because of his being a musician, because he wasn't, I mean, he plays for fun, but um, he just loved music and brought all the records home. He he, he left school early because he wasn't mad about study and He ended up becoming a teacher, it's a funny thing, because he did night school and did go back to school. But um, he was had an income as a like a 16 or 17-year-old and uh, was buying all the cool records at the time, which for me were the classic 60s singles era, you know, so the Stones and the Beatles yeah, and cool. the Easy Beats. So that stuff was all around me as a little kid, and uh, that I can't say that was was... Wasn't anything more than crucial for me it was yeah. completely. And when did anything when, less than crucial? I say. What age did you realize you could write? I didn't think about it. Um, I, I started writing songs as sort of almost like you know automatic in a way, and like as a little kid just singing a song to myself and I'd make one up. Um, it wasn't till I was at high school and I, we had a band at high school, a rock band, you know, not official, just yep. using the using the, the gear and that the school owned and they let us rehearse mm-hmm. and play, we'd play concerts at mm-hmm. other schools, even you know for the socials, but. Um, then I was writing songs and we were learning those then. But um, I was actually more interested in painting and, and, right. and art when I was a kid. That was what I was known for in the family. and you know they didn't. Music was just something that was in the house and we all just did it, but it wasn't really something I was aiming for. It wasn't well, until I failed um, architecture because my, my mother tra- you know, taught me to realise that I couldn't be an artist. I had to be something serious with my, my drawing skills. So I had to get an architect. And I, went right. to, I went to university for one year and, was, and hated it And all the time. I was just playing music and uh, it wasn't until I failed because I wasn't going to lectures playing all these these gigs and you know just never did a lick of work I, and was obsessed with music I suddenly woke up to the fact that what I really was
0: in wow. terms of you know, that's interesting because you, you, your dad was in the military in the navy, in the navy, in the war, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And your mum, mother, was a local politician.
2: Well, sort of. You know, she was. Yeah. She became. She went in the council, local council. Okay. Um, she worked for um, politicians. She was uh, like one of the office people. You know, that runs the, the, the branch office. What do you call it? I don't know what they call those things. Where the mm. you know the politician has you know the constituents come and you know put complaints or requests in, and she'd handle that stuff. But um, she actually went into council uh, mainly because she was a, uh, an avid reader, right. loved books, and. Um, so she thought it was a crime that our particular uh, suburb we lived in, Belmont, uh, didn't have a library. So she took it upon herself to get a library built, and uh, that's what she did. She went to council, and she got it pushed and pushed and pushed and eventually got a library uh, built, and then they ended up naming it after her for, for wow. all the work she did.
0: What a, great, what a great honour.
2: The funny story was that when they got the library built, the library board of WA, which is where I'm from, um, they, weren't, uh, they weren't, didn't approve this, this idea of a library being built, that they hadn't sort of gone through their, their system. <laughs> oh, really? So they actually refused to acknowledge it and they wouldn't give me any books. And really? so my mother, after the library was built, she had to do a big fundraising drive in a sense to get people to donate books to the library
0: so they could have something to open with. Jeez. Yeah, crazy story. Crazy story. And, and, Brandy, what about you? growing up in Yamba. I said two great things coming out of Yamba, Nathan Brown and, uh, and Great Prawns. Um, but uh, who, who were your big sporting influences growing up?
1: Um, Oh, my dad was. My dad was a coach. So he, yep. my dad got coach of the century at two clubs in the bush over the course of the journey. And Wow. So dad was, and dad was, you know, quite a sort of, I suppose, a good figure around town where a lot of younger people went to him for a bit of advice. So that sort of always made me feel like I would like to have coached. And um, and then I went to St George, and then, you know, I was very fortunate at St George. I landed at St George when I did because, you know, in the early 90s, you know, you know, Brian Smith, Max Ninnis, you know, Perry Haddock was there, Rod Reddy. There's a lot of people there who were putting a lot of time into coaching, you know, and uh and I always believed that I was the type of player that needed to land at the right club to make it where some players can turn up at any club and they're just gonna be good no matter who they played for. You know, I probably found the right club which I where I needed to get the right help and the right opportunity. So, you know, all the coaches at St George, you know, probably Max Ninnis was probably the one when I left for my old man Yamba Max was probably the one that probably had the biggest influence. Max took me to yep. St. George and Max worked for Brian Smith for a lot of years. He worked for David Wade, he worked for Andrew Farrer and um, he worked with Billy Anderson in the, in the 80s and you know, Max was a more behind-the-scenes guy and he probably had a big impact on me when I, after my dad. you know, And then as I said, you know, I had Brian Smith and David Wade, Andrew Farrer, all coaches that all contributed to me getting to where I am today.
0: Who's going to win the comp this year
1: in the NRL? Oh, look, it's a real interesting at the moment with the injuries. It's more than what we've ever seen before for numbers of reasons. But yep. you know, I thought two months ago that um, if Melbourne could get their best seven on the field at 17, I thought I thought Melbourne, Melbourne would win with their best 17 players. I thought um, their bench this year, if they've got Big Nelson and Tino and uh, Brandon Smith coming off their bench, their middle bench rotation is far stronger than what yep. it's been since that last one, the competition. Uh, the half-backs had a had a full pre-season and another year playing halfback, back so he's, his actual game's improved a little bit, so I feel Melvin's there. Um, I thought that they would either play the Roosters, if the Roosters were fit, or Canberra. Um, Penrith's had a outstanding year and playing some terrific footy at the moment, but until the sudden-death footy comes and the big moments come, no-one understands how some of them younger players at Penrith are going to handle it, where you know those three sides I just mentioned, yep. they're going to handle it, so... But at the moment, Melbourne's got their share of injuries. The Roosters are just starting to get some back. And Canberra's had their share earlier in the year. So all those three sides there in particular, they're done extremely well under the pressure they've been under to be where they are. Now, Canberra and the Roosters, um, unless Parramatta keep faltering, only one of them can make the top four On unless Parramatta keep losing. So, you know, whichever one of them makes the four... Yeah, I'd probably lean towards you, know, but yeah, you know, th- those three sides for mine and yeah, the Roosters fully fit. It's, they're always hard to go past. You know, they're good. So Melbourne to play either Roosters or Canberra if their rosters are okay. right. If yeah. their rosters aren't right. You can come up with any number of teams.
2: Are you tipping Dave? Oh, I'm not tipping anyone <laughs> after, <laughs> after that one. Are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I love I I your, your recent single you put out. Um, does it hang me out to dry. Hang out to dry. Hang yeah. me hung out to dry. Um, <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit of a. Like, the has never been a, a, a political band at all. Yeah, but this, I, I, but this I, is a bit of a, a crack at Trump, which I love.
2: Well,
1: you know. A <laughs> <and your> character. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think, I mean, Especially. even though people,
0: you know, take
2: him seriously as a politician, I don't. I mean, I think he's yeah. a, a, a con man and I, I don't understand, you know, he could have run for either party and still be just as much a fake. You know, yeah, he's, right. he's, it doesn't seem to have any discernible policies at all other than staying in power and making money. <laughs> and, you know, that's so, I don't see it as a political song myself.
0: I yeah. see it as a song about someone who's a rat bag. There you go. A rich rat bag. A rich fat bag. (laughs) Well, boys, I I want to thank you both um, for coming on the show and taking taking the time out today. Um, Dave, I want to thank you personally for – Mate, all those wonderful barbecues I've had over the years with the Hoodoo Gurus stomping in the background. There's some great memories. A, as yeah. well
1: because we've got a playlist at home yeah. and whenever we have friends over, in particular at Newcastle, we've got our great friends Joe Odellities. We'd always have the odd social do at theirs and ours and, 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 and Dave gets to start around midnight, yeah. <laughs> generally around midnight when the dance floor is rocking in the kitchen. That's all who, good. Hoodoo Gurus gets oh, around. Mate,
0: it's, it's great. It's some really, really good memories. The uh, the 80-year-old neighbour on either side of me don't really like it, but, um, <laughs> but fuck them.
1: <laughs> is it that, that I don't like it. Like That's the I don't like it six days a week which nah,
0: nah, nah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah thanks mate for, for, for all, all the good memories and we'll put up on our on our socials when your new songs come out as well mate so Thank you. can listen to those mate and um, Brownie mate, thanks for everything I think my tip is mate you are going to be one of the best when you finish your career one of the best NRL coaches of all time mate I, re- I reckon the Warriors is going to be the team for you I think you're going to do a fantastic job over there keep up the good work mate and Make sure your wife can say that you, you keep winning now, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: thanks, thanks, Shana.
0: But thanks, guys. Thanks for coming on the show and appreciate your time. Cheers. Cheers. That's it for Lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Dave Faulkner and Nathan Brown. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes and making things happen. And thanks to our sponsors, the Gin Society, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. And a big thank you goes out to the Paddington for having the best chook in Sydney, 384 Oxford Street. And make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, leave a review. And come check us out on our socials. I'm at Lunch With Lee. Next week, we'll be chatting with some more complete legends to discuss more about sport, music and business on another episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then.